So take your Bibles, let's go over to the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 3. Jonah was a prophet. Yes, he was. So as you're turning there to Jonah chapter 3, I'll share this little story. There was supposed to be a, a meeting at this church. It was a church board meeting, and so the announcement was made. There will be a meeting of the church board immediately after the service. Announced the pastor. After the close of the service, the church board gathered at the back of the sanctuary for the announced meeting. But there was a stranger in their midst, a visitor who never attended the church before. Uh, my friend, said the pastor, uh, didn't you understand that this is a meeting of the board? Yes, said the visitor. And after today's sermon, I'm supposed I'm just about as bored as anyone else has come to this meeting. Well, hopefully that won't be your attitude when we're done here today. <laughs> um, you know, we are talking about Jonah, and last week we were in Jonah chapter 2, and we talked about the great fish, and so, so there's a little fish tale that uh, I'd like to share. It's, a, it's about a boy who came late to Sunday school, and knowing he was usually very prompt, his teacher asked, said, uh, Johnny, is there anything wrong? No, ma'am. Not really, he said. I was going to go fishing, but my daddy told me that I needed to get up and go on to church. teacher was very impressed and asked Johnny if his father had explained to him why it was important to go to church more so than to go fishing. Yes, ma'am. He did, Johnny said. My daddy said he didn't have enough bait for both of us. Well, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> don't know where your daddy is, but anyway, hopefully your heavenly father's here with you today. So we, uh, we are glad y'all are here. And uh, again, we find ourselves in the story of Jonah. Jonah chapter 3. We've gone through Jonah chapter 1, Jonah chapter 2. Uh, we've got the account of the story. You know Jonah was a prophet and he was fleeing the presence of God. And good luck with that. There's no place you can run or hide from the eyesight of an all-knowing God. God sees everything, guys. You ever think about that? Every little thing you've done, every skeleton in your closet is not a skeleton in the closet. God sees. He knows. And yet, in spite of all of our wicked and sinful acts, thoughts, He still loves us. He still desires to have a relationship with us. That's an awesome God. That's not, uh, that's not an approval of the things we've done or thought. It's actually showing long-suffering. The love of God, the goodness of God, is in our life that it will bring forth repentance. That's why God's long-suffering in our lives. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And so it's very important as we uh, go through this study that we recognize that God in His grace and mercy is calling us out of the lifestyles, calling us out of the wickedness, calling us out of the sin that still trips us, guys. And even for those of us who are in the race, if we want to run the race well, he says in Hebrews, let us lay aside those weights. Let us lay aside those things that keep tripping us up so that we will be able to run the race well. And we do so by putting our eyes on Christ. Well, Jonah was trying to take his eyes off the Lord, and he was running as far as he could because he did not want anything to do with the will of God. God had called him to the Ninevites. He said, no way, host way. I'm not going. won't go there. 
So God brought a storm into his life. And this one was a real one. He was on a ship to Tarshish. The sailors freaking out. Cried out to their false gods. No help. Told Jonah, wake up! Maybe your God will hear. Cast lots. Found out it was Jonah was a problem. He confessed, yes, my God is the God of the land and the sea. They tossed him into the sea. God had prepared the great fish. <sighs> Took him on a ride the other direction, back to the will of God. And so we find, as we begin Jonah chapter 3, concluding in chapter 2, verse 10, So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Follow, if you would, in the reading of God's Word in Jonah chapter 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. <laughs> Let me just stop right there, guys. Woo! We camp out right there. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. How many of us know God is a God of second chances? And third chances and fourth chances. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Again, this isn't optional, guys. Well, I just don't feel comfortable with that preacher. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. How many of us know we'll avoid a lot of shipwreck problems, great ships, great sharks, fish prepared for us? How many of us know we can avoid a lot of problems in our life if we'll just heed the word of the Lord? We make it complicated. So Jonah rose, went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Eight words in your English tra translation. It's actually five words in the, in the Hebrew language. Now I don't conclude that that's all Jonah said. That's all that's recorded. This was the main warning of the message. But this is what's written in the Word of God. Verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. How many of us know that the Word of God is good from the top to the bottom, from the bottom to the top? Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth 
and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your consistency and character as we will explore that in this chapter, Lord. And Father, I pray that you will draw us closer in understanding in all our ways that we will acknowledge you. And so, Lord, I pray that you will have your way here this morning in our hearts and our lives, that you will be our teacher. And Lord, that you will awaken us. Come to us a second time. Help us arise as a church and go and take the gospel to a wicked nation in hopes that there might be repentance. And yet, Lord, judgment begins at the house of God. Start with me. Start with us. May we find mercy and grace in your sight. May we do your will by your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in 1904, 1905, that time period, some of you historians may know this, there was a huge revival that broke out in Wales. Not in, you know, the whale thing. That was a bad whale sound, wasn't it? Anyway, C. Carver, he's actually got a whole CD of whale sounds. So anyway, um, 1904, uh, 1905 in that time period, it, it, there was a great revival that broke out in Wales. A uh, gentleman by the name of Evan Roberts uh, began a prayer meeting. And he actually grew up, uh, made a profession of faith at a young age. His dad took him to church often. And there was a lot of coal mine work that went on in southern and northern Wales during that time period. And it was told that in his early 20s, he would take his Bible, he would read, and oftentimes uh, in the breaks that he would have while working the coal mines during lunch, he would read the scriptures. And uh, there was an explosion in one, a number of people were killed. He escaped barely with his life, and his, his Bible was actually singed. Pages were singed by the fire that broke out. Later, that would be sent around, folks, uh, after the Great Revival broke out, and, and, and those pages uh, still uh, exist in, in archive that... Uh, folks would see and, and that this was again the Bible he was reading but this man was a man of God he was a man of faith and and um, his main message that sprung forth from this prayer meeting of 16 people that would eventually take over the whole nation when all was said and done estimates of over 150,000 people in that great awakening that awakening came to know Christ 150,000 Again, started with one guy, he used to pray from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m., faithfully. 1 a.m. to 5 a.m., that was his prayer life. Eventually, he got 16 other people to start meeting for a prayer meeting outside those times at another time. And then revival came forth from that. He began to travel around and share the gospel. But here were the four basic things that he would share in his message. His message was the same all across Wales. Confess all known sin. 
That's where he started. Confess all known sin. Second point was remove anything that's questionable, anything from your life, any doubtful practices. Surrender those. His third point was be totally yielded to the Holy Spirit. If God prompts you to do something, do it. Be totally yielded. And his fourth point was publicly confess the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's a simplistic message, isn't it? But how, how often we, we don't even think about these truths. And guys, I want to encourage us this morning to think about those four points as we go through Jonah chapter 3. Confess all known sin. If there's sin in your life, confess it. Don't hide it. You're not hiding it. It's not helping. It's hindering. And by God's grace, let's remove the doubtful practices. Be totally surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And you know, I'd be happy if some of us would start with just the fourth one. Publicly confess Jesus Christ is Lord. I'd be curious if I, if I went to your neighbors, if I went to your co-workers, your employees, family members. Do you know so-and-so? Are they a Christian? Huh? <laughs> Could have fooled me. First, I've heard of it. Oh, it's all good to come in and sit on Sunday morning, go to grandma's and get some pot roast. But guys, that's not Christianity. That's religion. And religion's damning a lot of people to hell. All over the world. God desires a relationship. And He's not willing that people should perish. He desires that we come to repentance. And as we talked about last time in chapter 2, repentance isn't a one and done. It's not because, well, I prayed that prayer. I checked that box. I got it in my Bible on this said date. That's not what saves you guys. It's a relationship. It's an ongoing relationship. I'm not married if I show up on my wedding day, simply say I do and walk away. I might be, but that's not a healthy relationship. Never see my wife? Been 20 years since I said those vows. Oh, I see her once a week. Wow. That's terrible. But that's how we treat God. And so when we come to the story in, in Jonah, we, we see this account, and, and Jonah's not wanting anything to do with it. He knows God's mercy. He knows God's grace. He's afraid these wicked people, that if they got what they deserve, they deserve it. And that's how our attitude is oftentimes, church, to those outside the church. And yet this story about Jonah isn't so much about the Ninevites. It's not even about Jonah, but it is about God. And it is about His grace. And guys, that's exactly why you and I have not been consumed. That's why God, as believers, hasn't taken us home early. Because of His long-suffering. Because He wants us to recognize, as Brother Mark saying this morning, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's a repentant life. That's a life that's desiring to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. 
And so I, I encourage this church this morning, I challenge us this morning to think about these things that brings forth revival. To think about revival begins with one person. Me. You. One man chose to spend between 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. praying. One man. And that little spark began to spread. Sixteen other faithful folks decided, hey, I want to be a part of that. And it spread 150,000 plus. Someone did a follow-up study years later and said, well, you know, it's not, it's, it's not like what the, they say. They kind of got a little bit wrong. Uh, statistically speaking, 150,000, it's a little high. When we went back and saw how many of those people actually got plugged into churches, local churches, and became active in a local church, it was only about 80,000. <laughs> really? <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord! <laughs> I'd say that's still all right. We see the account in Jonah chapter 3. And uh, I want to give you the outline. We're not going to get here today, guys. Just know this, so don't get scared. You're looking at your sheet going, he better get started. Because I'm telling you, my roast will not burn. We're not going to go all the way today on this one. So just, just breathe easy. Uh, here's the outline, if you're taking notes there. Outline, Jonah repented. Verses 1 through 4. You'll see that in the text as you read this text. And I encourage you to read through this week. Maybe even try to fill in the blanks on your own this week. See, oh, I bet you that word's this, based upon the text. Uh, Nineveh repented, verses 5 through 9. We'll see that there. And then this is where we're going to spend a lot of time. God repented. Hmm, that's a head scratcher. God repented? Well, I don't know what your translation says. Maybe it says relented. He had compassion. There's differing... Hmm. We're going to have to study that one, right? Because I didn't know God could change. I thought He was unchangeable. See, scoffers and skeptics will point this out. You Christians better be armed and ready. Your Bible contradicts. This over here says God changes. Look at Jonah. He changed his mind. But over here it says God doesn't change. So which is it? Fancy pants Christian? Well, hopefully we'll help you answer that, fancy pants. All right, let's take a look here in Jonah verses 1 through 4 of chapter 3. Notice again, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose. Think about that. The, the writer has used this phrase oftentimes. In the beginning, Jonah was told by God to arise and go to Nineveh, and he did not. He said, went to the ship and went down to the lower part and went to sleep. And the captain came down and told him to arise. And it was funny, he listened to the man more than he listened to God in the beginning of the story, didn't he? I wonder how many of us are having that struggle in our life. How many of you are listening to man more than you're listening to God? This is our battle, isn't it? I mean, you know, we can look at Jonah. Oh, I never do that. <laughs> you can't outrun God. But yet we're fearful of man. We're fearful of the opinion of man. 
and refuse to live a life set apart for God. I think we've got that way backwards, guys, because I promise you, me and you will one day stand before the Creator of all, the all-powerful, all-knowing being, and He is the only one that we will stand before. It won't be my friends. It won't be my co-workers. It won't be my parents. It won't be my relatives. It'll be a holy and just God who loved us and gave us every opportunity of repentance and faith. He gave us every opportunity to look to Him, to live and to walk out and exercise the faith that He calls us to. To be an impact for His namesake. But isn't it good when we see here in chapter 3 that the word of the Lord came to him a second time? And notice he obeyed the word. He obeyed the word. Guys, I don't, I don't know what you did yesterday or the day before. I don't know what you did before you walked in here this morning. But I know this, a very present God is here in the time of need. And if there's a need for us to fall on our face and confess our sin, if there's a need for us to lay aside doubtful practices, if there's a need in our life to, to yield totally to the Holy Spirit, if there's a need today for us to publicly proclaim, you know what, I am a child of God and I'm not going to be afraid to vocalize that in my workplace. I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel anymore. I'm going to live out my faith. I don't worry about what others may think because there's only one person that I need to please and he's been pleased in the person of Jesus Christ. So all I got to do is live it out. He's worked it in. All I got to do is work it out. That's what God desires for us. And because He's a God of second chances, He's given you a second chance this morning to get our hearts right. So we can go out of here today hearing the Word of God arising and heeding because of who God is, because of His grace. Jonah obeyed the Word. Notice what happened, verse 3. So he's obedient. He finally gets up. He finally listens to God. And now he begins to obey. Verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, where he should have went in the first place, according to the word of the Lord. Boom, obedience. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in content. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. Notice what happened. By the way, there's a painting of Nineveh. Don't know how accurate it is. The uh, setting on the phone wasn't that good that day we were out there. Anyway, thank you, Randall. You got that. He reached the city. It was a great city. Now, some of you probably you read this and you think, Well, wait a minute. He got spit out of the great fish. You mean to tell me he walked and he was there in three days? No, no, that's not what the text says. Some of yours has in the italics the extent of the city. It was probably more than a two-week journey from where he got spit on the land to actually going to Nineveh. Probably a couple of weeks on foot. All right? What the text is saying, it's describing how large this city was. Guys, you want to know what kind of hubbub was going on in Nineveh? This was a big happening place. This is the Assyrian capital. Assyrian rule was, you know, ruled this land. It was a pretty, pretty wicked bunch. You know what they used to do when they would conquer people? They would build pyramids, giant pyramids, out of their skulls as a warning to other nations. That's pretty graphic. These are some pretty brutal dudes. 
And so there's this, imagine this, the, the debauchery that went on in this city. I mean, this probably make New York City look like a beginner. You know, I mean, it was, it's, Sin City, Vegas ain't got nothing on this joint. I'm just saying. It was a huge city, and it would take you three days' journey. Circumference of this city was around 60 miles. And so if you're going to travel through on foot, you're looking at a few days. And so that's why the text says, verse 4, and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. It's going to take him three days to preach this message. Whoo! And you thought, mine were long. <laughs> you saw what I did there, Seth? That was just a little joke there, buddy. Thank you. It was three days he's going to go in here and proclaim this thing, right? If he's going around the whole city. I don't know that he had to go through the whole city. I think he went through the city, and I think he marches straight through to where the king is. But nonetheless, this was what it was. So he reached the city. And then we see that he preached through the city in verse 4. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and none of us shall be overturned. Now you say, well, preacher, now that's the kind of message I like. Eight words and he was done. I think you ought to practice that. Well, thanks for playing. Again, I think he said more than that. This is all this recorded History tells us, this is a little interesting, there was, a, there was some type of plague that took place probably within a decade of his, before he, he, he arrives here. Now, I don't know all the details of it. Uh, you can do your own homework on it. But evidently, it decimated this city pretty good. And that there were a lot of, you know, people died. A lot of folks. And, and some began, because again, you're, you're talking a superstitious group of people. These were pagans. So anything that starts to go wrong in catastrophic ways, as we saw in the ship, they start freaking out and wondering if their God is angry with them. Now let's throw into the mix. Here comes some bleached out dude. And I, the text doesn't tell us, but I, I, I believe, this is my sanctified imagination at work, but I believe word had already gotten to the city because I, I wonder if maybe some of those guys from the ship made it back to land because, again, the storm was so crazy, they, they were thankful, and it says that they were repentant. They made vows to the Lord, sacrificed to the Lord. I wonder if they didn't come back in. By the way, if this is such a great city and they're such a dominant force, I imagine a lot of that ship's cargo that was going out that they had been throwing overboard was probably goods that had come from this great city anyway. And so I wonder if word has come back to the king and to the people, and all of a sudden here comes this bleached out dude who rumor has had, this guy got spit out on land. Dude, I was out there fishing. And all of a sudden, I mean, it was the biggest fish I've ever seen in my life. And he's like, I was like, dude, that's like my cat at home. There's a fur ball. But instead, a guy comes out. It was the craziest thing I ever saw. That's the dude. I don't know. Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't happen. But isn't it interesting, we talked about in the beginning, how they worshipped the false goddess and the false uh, Nancy. Remember we made the joke, they went to Tarshish and then to Nancy. Nancy was the uh, false goddess, half fish, half person. And so, hey, I imagine as he's kind of getting gurgitated out, you know, half man, half fish... Again, I don't know this for certain, but man, you can just sort of see that potentially, possibly, why not? It's possible. Regardless, we know what the Word of God says. He came in and he proclaimed, get right with God. 
God is going to overthrow this place in 40 days. It'll be overthrown. The first day he entered, he kept walking. The message, yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. I'm going to stop here because we're going to look at how this message impacts Nineveh. We're also going to revisit this word overthrown. So I want you to circle that word overthrown because it's going to come up in, in, a, in our study next week. And it's a pretty important word, I believe, in understanding what took place here uh, in the Scriptures. So to kind of tie things up today, uh, looking at Jonah repented. Where are you at this morning? Community Baptist Church. Uh, that's not what I was asking. Thank you, Smarty Pants. See, we got Fancy Pants, now we got Smarty Pants. <laughs> you know, I won't say the next joke. All right. Um, where you at? Where you at in your life? Where you at in your walk? Are there some things that just ain't where they need to be? Have we been fleeing from God? Have we kind of been ignoring and avoiding and just not wanting to deal with what we know we need to deal with? Guys, please, I'm begging you. Let the God of grace, let the word of God come to you a second time. Let God have his way. Confess any known sin. In this closing moment, in just a little bit, we're going to have time to pray. Confess any known sin. Take the steps to remove things that, are, that you know you've got to stop. There's no place for these things in my life. I've got to give this up. Ask God, pour your heart out, cry out to God to help you in that area. And then take a step of faith and just lay it down at the cross. And then yield. As you're praying, as you're spending time in God's Word, and you're out in public, and, and He prompts your heart, I need to share my faith with that person, or you know what, I need, to, I, need to go to, I need to go to this study tonight at church, I really don't feel like... Whatever He's prompting you to do, whatever it is, yield, yield. And then publicly confess your faith. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Let's pray. As someone comes and plays, I, I ask you to bow... And just uh, join me in prayer. Father, thank you for the life of Jonah. It's truly reflective of who we are. It's easy to read these pages and, and miss oftentimes the, the point, but Lord, your word is a mirror. Help us see ourselves. Lord, help us see where we're blind. We all have blind spots. We all do. And too often times we spend our time focusing on others' blind spots and miss our own. Lord, forgive us. Forgive me, Lord, when I fail to heed your word. Help me yield to your, your grace and your mercy. And I'll be a man of God that you've called me to be. Lord, I pray for the men and women here, those watching, that they'll look to you, that they'll arise, that your word will come to them a second time. And by your grace, Lord, would you send revival to our hearts. 
we be found faithful in your sight. Lord, as we continue to unpack this scripture of yours, I, I pray that you will shine your light into the dark areas of our life and that we will prayerfully surrender and put feet to those prayers and begin to walk again in the light of your truth. Father, go with us now as we go out this week. Help us to be faithful in sharing these cards and give us the holy boldness we need. And Lord, I pray that you will use these small efforts to bring glory and honor to your name. Draw people to yourself. And Lord, may we be found pleasing in your sight. And we thank you in the name that is truly above every name, in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And for his sake we pray. Amen. Guys, I invite you back this evening. Of course, we have our uh, clubs and uh, also study tonight in the overflow room. And we'll be doing something a little new this evening. So I invite you to come back and be a part of that. Uh, if you haven't been on a Sunday night in a while, we'd love to have you. Uh, we'll put on some decaf coffee. Of course, it's hot today. We may have to go ice coffee. But uh, anyway, we'd love to have you here for that. Uh, guys, be praying. Next weekend's our missions conference. Saturday uh, is, a, is a big night, silent auction night. It'll be a great evening. Come out and join us. Casual wear. Come as you are. Um, so fancy pants, smarty pants, but please, just pants. That was my third joke. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, shirt required. They never see that on the door. Why? Anyway, I guess it goes without saying. Uh, also, I would ask that you keep in prayer. We've got a guest speaker next Sunday for our missions conference, a gentleman by the name of Ed Weber. Uh, he and his wife run an orphanage uh, home in um, Thailand, and uh, they'll be with us, and I think you will find his story. He'll be giving his testimony, and it is powerful. Bring your Kleenex boxes, uh, men. And so... Because believe me, guys, we'll be the ones crying probably too. So it's for all of us, it's, 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 he's got a good and powerful testimony. Be in prayer for that as well uh, next week. Uh, anything else that needs to be shared or said before we depart today? I trust all hearts are clean. And I uh, trust that as we go from here, we go different than how we came in. Guys, I love you. And I'm praying for you. And I uh, hope you have a full and blessed week. You are dismissed at this time.